I can invite you to remain standing. Our scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your, boats on the, or throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we're going to be remaining in John's Gospel as we continue to look at Jesus' appearances to the disciples between His resurrection and His ascension. Last week we looked at the appearance of Jesus to the disciples in Jerusalem. The followers of Jesus had gathered behind closed doors in the home that they were staying in. They had locked the doors and they were sitting there in fear wondering about what was going to happen next. And so they gathered to determine... What the news of the empty tomb that had been brought to them by Peter and John really meant. Now Mary Magdalene has arrived and shared her testimony to them of having seen Jesus in the garden and as their home, Jesus appeared to them, to all of the disciples, and he told them of the resurrection and he provided physical proof to them that he had risen on the third day. It was a physical resurrection of his body. That Jesus is coming to share with them and to show them that God had raised him from the dead. And so Jesus' disciples, their fear went from, and uncertainly went to joy. Because what he had said was going to come true, just as he said it would. And so this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 21. In John 21, the disciples have left Jerusalem after remaining in the city for the festival of unleavened bread or Passover. I think it's important for us to note this and to make sure that we see this because I think it's easy for us to make the assumption that the disciples um, immediately became not Jewish and they became Christians because they were following of followers of Jesus. But you have to remember that at the beginning of the movement, the Christian faith, the followers of the way were trying to, um, to remain faithful to the Jewish faith. And so I think it's important for us to note, and I think it's important for us to see that John includes this part 
is that he's telling us that the disciples remain in Jerusalem for the entire time of the festival of unleavened bread or the festival of Passover. At this point, they're still envisioning the movement of Jesus being a part of the Jewish faith and community. At this point, they are still focused on the fact and on the idea that Jesus, well, and on the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that is going to be sent to those in the Jewish faith to deliver them from death and to redeem them and to restore them and to do all of the things that we read about in the Old Testament. At this point, the disciples are still focused on the idea that this message of Jesus is going to be taken just to those who are also Jewish. And if you look in the book of Acts, the beginning of the ministry of the early church, where did they go first? It says they went to the synagogues, right? So Paul goes to a synagogue in a different community, whichever it is, uh, Corinth or Ephesus, and he goes to the synagogue first, he begins to take the message to the Jewish community there until they get upset or until rabble-rousers from other synagogues and other cities come, you know, and they, they cause an uprising and they get them to flee. But I think it's important for us to note this, is that John is saying to us that at the beginning, the movement of Jesus was going to be within the Jewish faith and the Jewish community. Even so much that the disciples, after they experienced the entrance into Jerusalem, the betrayal, the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection, they've stayed in Jerusalem to conclude the festival of unleavened bread. Now it's time for them to return home. So going home means that they've returned to northern Israel. This map, I don't need my laser pointer because it's kind of blown up. But you'll see Capernaum is where we believe that the majority of the disciples lived in that region. Uh, the Bible does tell us that Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who Jesus healed, lived in Capernaum. You can go to Capernaum and there's a, a house or a church that they believe was built over the home of Simon Peter's mother there in the city. And so the disciples are going home. And after returning home, Simon Peter announces to the group, I'm going fishing. And so Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two other unnamed disciples. Wouldn't you love to be one of the unnamed disciples? But anyway, announced that they are going to go with Simon Peter. And so they all go to the boat to prepare for a night of fishing. I think it's interesting for us to note that at this point in their walk, in their following of Jesus, and in what they are doing, the disciples have decided that they're going to return to the waters of the Sea of Galilee. I think it's easy for us to look at all of they have experienced for the prior three years. And I think it might be easy for us to assume that they're really going to be plotting and planning and preparing for what needs to happen next. Now that Jesus is gone, Jesus has appeared to them, what are they supposed to do? But in all honesty, I think they're still in that place where they really don't know what they need to be doing. They're still in that place where they're comprehending for themselves what the resurrection of Jesus means and of how that fits into their faith and on what they are supposed to do with that news. And so they're not quite in that place yet where they are going to be able to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that is Jesus Christ, and take it and share it with other people. And so I think I appreciate Simon Peter for his decision to return fishing. I think part of it is he recognized that he needed something. He needed to return to something that he was familiar with. 
even after all he had done, even after all he had witnessed, even after all he had experienced for the prior three years with Jesus, Simon is not discarding these things. He's not setting aside the call that Jesus has placed on his life and within his heart. What he's really done is paused. And he's choosing to find whatever bit of normalcy in his life that he can find at that time. And so for him, that's a return to the fishing boat, isn't it? A return to a boat on the Sea of Galilee to do the thing that he had done before Jesus ever called him. He decides to pause and to rest in those things that are familiar to him that he is comfortable with, even as he knows that Jesus has placed an even greater call on his life that's going to, call him to cause him to do so many more things. Now, fishing in biblical times in the Sea of Galilee is primarily done at night, just like it's done today. And so fishermen set out in their boats, and in the night they would either cast out their nets or they would trawl their nets through the water to make a catch. Since really the Sea of Galilee is the size of a large lake, fishermen would fish all night and then return to the shore early the next morning to sort their catch and to prepare to sell their fish um, that morning to those who would come to the market to buy it from them. And so their type of fishing is really no different than fishing today. I mean, really, if you think about it, fishing's pretty much the same as it's been forever. You either use a net or a hook. It's just the boats are fancier or the fishing rods are fancier or, you know, we have sonar and all these other things to try and find the fish, but you still have to get them to bite and you still have to get them in the net. And so like the disciples and like our time, there are times you fish that you catch stuff and there are times you fish and you don't. It, it, it's the same today as it was then, isn't it? I think we've all had times we've been fishing and we've caught a lot. There are also times that we've caught nothing. But for Simon Peter and the disciples, John tells us how many fish they caught, right? Zero. So they've been out all night. They haven't caught a thing. Time and time again, they've cast their nets. They've brought them back in. Or they've pulled their nets in after they've pulled their nets, you know, across parts of, of the Sea of Galilee. And every time they found them empty. So early the next morning, John writes this. That while they were about 100 yards off from shoreline, they heard a voice call to them. This is what he says. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they did. And there were so many fish that they couldn't haul in the nets. So there's some that, that might explain this passage by saying that on the shoreline, Jesus could see the school of fish on the other side of the boats that the disciples were unable to see. This explanation focuses on the fact that, that what Jesus is doing is directing his disciples where he saw the group of fish. See, I think this tries to explain away the reason and the miraculous of God and of what Jesus was doing. Because I think the reason John included this passage of Scripture was for us to see that it's good news of what Jesus was doing even in his resurrection. I believe that if Jesus could give sight to the blind could help the lame to walk, could heal the sick, could do any of the miracles that we read about in the Gospels, then I believe that Jesus certainly could have called out to the disciples and said, throw your net back into the water 
water that only moments before had contained nothing. And this is what John believed too. Which is why he included this miraculous event in his post-resurrection account of Jesus. So here's what I think when we read this story. I believe that when the disciples heard the voice of Jesus, even without recognizing it, it was him. It's obvious. John tells us that the disciples didn't recognize that it was Jesus' voice when he called out to them. It was still early in the morning. They probably couldn't see yet. If Jesus is on the shoreline, maybe they, they could only see a shadow or, or an illumination or, you know, just kind of a, an image of who was over there. But it wasn't clear enough for, him to know, for them to know who it was. But they heard his voice. And without physically laying eyes on Jesus, their action is evidence in their lives that they've been changed permanently by their choice to follow him. Even without knowing that it is Jesus' voice, they've been act, or they have been um, changed to act. They've been changed to believe in possibility, even when reason and prior experience tells them that that's impossible. And so they chose to follow. They chose to act. They chose to throw out their nets, even when they likely knew it might not amount to anything. They'd fished all night. They had caught nothing. There was absolutely no guarantee that they would see any different result by casting their net to the right side of the boat, but they did what the voice told them to do. They were willing to take the risk. They were willing to act in faith. They were willing to step into the unknown. And so I don't know about you, but I picture it in my mind watching these seven disciples get themselves organized in the boat for one last cast of the nets. As they gather the nets for one last time, and as they toss them over the right side of the boat, John writes, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then he continues, it, the net, was full of large fish, 153 but even with so many, the net was not torn. The whole reason they were able to do this is because their hearts had been changed by Jesus. In their years of following Him, in their years of listening to Him, in their years of witnessing everything that He had done, their hearts became oriented toward belief in the impossible becoming possible. They didn't have to know that the voice was Jesus' voice. But they listened to the voice. They heard the voice of God and their response was their action. They didn't even know when they heard the voice that it was Jesus' voice. But they responded. And so John writes that the disciple who Jesus loved, who he conveniently, it's him, okay, John is the disciple who Jesus has loved, but he never wants to refer to himself as me in the gospel. So he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. He looked towards the shore and saw it was Jesus. He told Simon Peter, Simon Peter had, had taken his, his outer garments off to, to fish, and so he gathered his clothes and jumped into the water and, and went towards Jesus while the other disciples remained in the boat and towed the net towards shore where they all discovered that Jesus was waiting for them with a fire prepared to cook some of the fish that they had caught and share breakfast with them. 
John says they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here's what I take from this passage. What jumps out for me is how the disciples had become so familiar with the voice of Jesus that their hearts were naturally attuned to hearing it. They'd seen and they'd witnessed so much. They had listened to Jesus' teachings, His parables, His explanations of the parables. They had heard the voice of Jesus firsthand, knowing it was His voice. And their hearts had been changed. They were attuned, like on a radio dial, tuned into listening to Him. And for us, it's a little bit different. We don't have the joy of being able to, to hear the voice of Jesus. We are the ones who, who Jesus means when He says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have, not yet see, who have not seen and yet have believed. But friends, our hearts can become attuned to the voice of Jesus Christ. Because we've been gifted the Word of God through the working of the Holy Spirit. We've been gifted the Word of God that has been passed down to us from the very first followers of Jesus who's heard and who saw and who witnessed and who listened and who experienced all of His ministry. And then the Holy Spirit has guided its writing, a word that shares the trials of Paul, a word that tells us of the early church, a word that tells us of how the smallest group or sect or a group of followers in house churches in Rome and Ephesus and Corinth and Jerusalem and all these other places worked within one of the greatest empires the world has ever known to share a gospel and a truth even as it was opposed. See, we have the ability to know, know the voice of God. You have the ability to know the voice of God through the working of the Holy Spirit as you are guided and as you are directed. And that's through our study, it's through our worship, it's through our prayer. It's through doing those things that orient our hearts and align us with the heart of Jesus to where we are able to hear and to where we are able to know His voice. We have the ability to be like the disciples. To have our hearts attuned to Jesus Christ so that we have the ability to recognize and to hear His voice. And we have the opportunity to act if we live righteously and if we live faithfully in response to His grace and His call on our lives. Amen.